welcome to Dark Materials. I'm Faye. Hi. And I'm Rachel. Hello. This is a podcast where we're reading through and discussing Philip Pullman's His Dark Materials novels, a chapter at a time, spoiler free. In this episode, we are talking about chapter six of The Amber Spyglass, preemptive absolution. Two TikTok babies, here we are. Happy birthday to Faye. Happy birthday to Faye. We're recording on your birthday. Happy birthday to Faye. Everybody wish Faye a happy birthday for last week or the week before when this actually comes out. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. For 10 days ago. Yeah. Thank you very much. It is tis my birthday today as we're recording. I I was saying to Rich, I was like, we've recorded, we've definitely recorded on my birthday before. It feels like a little bit of a pod tradition now. Yeah, because I feel like that was the one where we um, we got some drinks. It must have been a TV show episode. We got some drinks and you dropped your gin all over the table. I've got I that did, blooper yes. somewhere. <laughs> but that was like 2019. Yes. Um, but yeah. Was it also your birthday one where for some reason we held the can really close to the... Uh, yeah, Mike and I opened so. it and Johnny was like, that is horrible. It's like, do not do that ever again. Like, Never. Okay. Um, Stop yes. messing with your sound. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yes, I am the big three now. She's 30. 30 She's, years old. This is it. Mm-hmm. Officially. Yeah. The elder of the podcast. How <laughs> oh, dare you. No, I didn't say it. <laughs> I don't mind. Like, I, I've had no qualms about turning 30, I think, like. Most of our friends are already 30 or in their 30s. And so I've seen them go through it. And also, I'm kind of like, it. go through Sorry. it. I've seen them go through it. No, truly, it was an ordeal for a lot of them. Yeah. I'm, I, yeah, I'm kind of like ready to say goodbye to my 20s because like, you know, fresh start and all that shite. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye, 20s. You were fun. But 30s are going to be me being hot and mentally stable. <laughs> 30. 30, flirty and thriving. Yes. <laughs> Is that what she says? In yeah, I've never seen it. But I always think of um, me and Zach have been singing. Uh, there's an episode of Broad City where Abby turns 30 and Alana's just singing to her all the time going, dirty, dirty. So we've just been doing that for like the last three days. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Well, you know, let me know how it goes. I'm a, I'm a couple of years off. but <laughs> All right. Yes, she is. <laughs> I'm just, actually a couple of years old, so young. So, so full of youth, so in the prime of my life. <laughs> hey, I still get I still get ID'd all the time. So I got ID'd by an Amazon delivery person and I was like, what is happening? What have I ordered that I need to know how old I am? Usually when actually I'm surprised you didn't roast me then, because usually when I brag about getting ID'd, Rich is like, it's cash and dress like an eight-year-old boy. <laughs> You, you do, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, that's what it was. I was buying some spray paint from Halfords and he ID'd me and I was just really... Like, it took me a beat to answer. <laughs> you, you know how it is. So someone's like, oh, how old are you? And I was like, 28? 28, 28, yeah. yes. 
I like I've definitely I feel like I've definitely said this on the pod before but I always for some reason when somebody says to me like because it's actually quite a rare question when you get when you get a bit older people don't usually ask how old you are so when somebody says how old are you I always go back to 19 I don't know why 19 is my age <laughs> I'm 11 years older than that and I'm like mm, no I think about it and I I'm about to say 19 and I'm like no I'm actually 30. <laughs> My default is 27. When I was 26, Mm. I was telling people I was 27. And now I'm 28. I want to tell people I'm 27. I don't know. You have a thing. You're terrible with your age. I remember when you Uh, turned like 27 or 26 and you were like, how old? Like, I'm 27. I'm like, I'm pretty sure you're 26. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. It's because I feel like a timeless, ageless, Mm. like forest creature that lives in a cave and nobody sure. really knows how old it is sure. it's just always been there i mean age is just a number babes you know what does it what does it mean truly doesn't <laughs> exactly. mean anything doesn't mean anything uh i don't know like i'm trying to think of like what i have to say since we last recorded i feel like last time we like talked for ages about comic con and stuff but haven't not much has happened since then we went to see May Martin. And that was really. <gasps> oh fun. my god, we did. Yes, we did for our. Uh, May Martin uh, is oh, chef's kiss. Oh, it was a great show. It was a really was good so show, good. and I'm so glad we went because they are absolutely phenomenal, and the support act is really good as well. Yes. It was really good. It was a good night. It was a really good night. Yeah, May was fucking amazing. I just want them to be our friend. I have a sneaky suspicion. That there are his dark materials fan, so I just want to get them on the pod. <laughs> if anybody can either provide concrete evidence that May Martin likes his dark materials, or knows May Martin <laughs> and wants to get us put us in touch with them, so we can get them on the podcast for a book club, yeah, either off, you know, yes, please, <laughs> preferably please. the latter. Yeah, help us out, please help us out. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's not. I suppose we've not done anything else that's particularly fun apart from going to see well, May Martin. Would you like to know something that is particularly fun? I would. I would. Please tell me. We got merch. Yeah. Merch, 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 merch. merch. (laughs) Okay. So I know it's been such a long time coming, Mm -hmm. but we have finally gotten our shit together and made some decisions. Half of the slog was just making decisions about how we want to go about doing this because our main goal with merch is to be able to uh, do it in a way that is cost effective and that it for... For us and for you, we don't want to like put lovely things behind a huge paywall for you. But obviously, we also can't just throw t-shirts at you. Yeah. Um, we also really wanted everything to be size inclusive, so we were trying to find somewhere where we can get stuff like printed that will do a good range of sizes, and also we wanted the quality to be good. And we spent ages trying to choose the right designs. Yeah. So, for our first ever merch run, what we are doing is a pre-order system. This means. What we'll do is we'll put up a shop listing and you can place your orders for t-shirts and then we take those orders to get printed and so everybody can get whatever size they want, which is the best thing because when you order in bulk, that's where you have to like limit what sizes you have for mm-hmm. the sake of... And that's not fair on everybody. So pre-order system, our aim is to, just after this episode, on this Friday... The 19th of November, Mm -hmm. we will open up pre-order slots from the 19th through to the 29th, which means 
order what you want within that time period and then we go away and we get them all printed and we get them posted out to you by the at the latest they will be in the post by the 13th of december which Mm. is the last shipping dates for getting to the us from the uk so hopefully you would have them by the holidays Mm yay t-shirts whoop 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 did that make sense? Yes. Did I ramble too much? No, it made sense. It made perfect, perfect sense. So the t-shirts, because we have had loads of t-shirt ideas and designs like over the last like year and a bit and Rich has been, you know, designing them and they look amazing. We've like limited it to two for this one because it's our first, first go at it. So we want to see how it goes. Uh, the first one is my personal favorite and one that I was like, we have to, I'm literally wearing a similar t-shirt right now, Yes, but <laughs> I love a pocket tee. Uh, well, like a pocket design tee. So it doesn't actually have a pocket, but there's a, our logo will be where a pocket would be on your chest. A little pocket print. A little pocket print. And it's so great. And I will definitely be wearing it, even though it's got my face on it. Um, and then the <laughs> other one is a Big C Energy t-shirt. And it has yeah. the monkey on it. And his little tail's making the sea. It's great. Obviously, we'll post all this on social media so you can go and have a look. But, oh, so great. Love it. Yes. I will be wearing the Big C Energy t-shirt as much as I can, just to confuse people. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. big monkey energy big c energy what's big c energy and you can be like it's big coulter energy um i don't know if you've read the books but yeah and then you can explain it's not materials to people and why you're wearing a big c energy t-shirt it's gonna make me so happy Uh, i'm very proud of the little monkey's like slightly shocked face on the on the picture that it's amazing i love both of them so yeah if you um if you want to get your hands on them, head over to our website, hdmpod.co.uk forward slash shop. Yes. 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 So exciting. So exciting. Hey, Faye. Hi. What is your birthday, demon? Well, I thought, what better, what better animal to be my birthday, demon? Then my duck, right? Yeah, original. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tis my nice. tis my day of birth, and also I have like been. I've started like going swimming again and stuff recently. So like I'm very much back in like my water phase. Um, so I thought it made sense to be my little duck. Yeah, Yay. that's so perfect. Yeah, yeah, well, that was short and sweet. What about you? Well, I guess in the spirit of going for our OG demons, I might just go for a big fat tabby cat because it's been getting chilly. What I really want is a permanent hot water bottle, which would be my demon cat sitting on my knee to keep me warm now that the weather's turning cold. So, yes. Perfect. Fair. Also, like tabby cat, autumn colours, autumn leaves, like Mm. get it's, you know, everything's getting really autumnal. It's making me happy. Yes, love that. Love mm-hmm. that. A- amazing. Smash that out in like a, a literal minute. <laughs> Boom, done. <laughs> now let's get talking about some old white men. Can't wait. <laughs> yeah, I guess let's get into it. Yes. <laughs> Last chapter, Baruch was attacked on his way to deliver the angels' messages to Azrael. We were introduced to Asriel's fortress and met Lord Roke, a Galavespian spy, who told Asriel how important Lyra is. Baruch was able to deliver the messages to Asriel before he passed away. Asriel sent out zeppelins and asked his alethiometrist to locate Lyra. 
In the dreamscape, Lyra and Roger continued their conversation. In this chapter, we spend a day sitting in on meetings with the Consistorial Court of Discipline, chaired by, speaking of failure, Father MacPhail. We all get a swift recap about Lyra and Will from Fra Pavel, and MacPhail and the boys decide to send an assassin after Lyra. Father MacPhail interviews a Bolvanger scientist who he sets the task of recreating the Azrael explosion. Back in the dreamscape, Lyra starts to feel as if she might be waking up. Oh boy. Well in so, indeed. <laughs> here here we are in this chapter where I'm not gonna lie, I fucking struggled. It's hard, isn't it? Like being in a chapter with all old white men. No mm-hmm. women, apart from the nuns. That's it. The nuns. No nuns. nuns. None. <laughs> so before we dive in to the sea of old white men, shall we talk about the little snippet? Yeah, I always forget this. Um, do you want to guess what um, what the picture is first? Just a really old white man. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is actually a little lizard. Oh, oh I'll show you. I do Hang like on. a lizard. Can you see? Wait, hang on. Oh, yeah. Mm. Nice, nice, yeah. nice, nice. Yeah. Classic, classic lizard picture, that is. The kind mm-hmm. that you might get tattooed while on holiday. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or you might buy on yeah. a t-shirt while on holiday. Yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. Okay, do you want to tell us about the quote? Well, once we all continue to get over the publishing error in my book, <laughs> I, can, uh, I can tell you about the quote. So the quote is, Relics, beads, indulgences, dispenses, pardons, bulls, the sport of wins. Would you like to know the wider context? I I would, I would, definitely. So it is a snippet from Our Fave, Paradise Lost by John Milton, or Phil's Fave, Paradise Lost by John Milton. It's from the book three, the third book, and is one of the most notable examples of something called the Paradise of Fools, which is in the narrative of Satan's journey to Earth, a space is reserved for future fools, Uh, Milton also calls it the limbo of vanity and it's specifically kind of targeted at the Catholic clergy and fleeting wits. Mm. So I will read you a little snippet, but this makes a really good amount of sense when we start getting into talking about the idea of this preemptive absolution that the chapter Mm -hmm. is named for. Mm -hmm. So, and now St. Peter at heaven's wicket seems to wait them with his keys and now at foot of heaven's ascent they lift their feet when lo, a violent crosswind from either coast blows them transverse 10,000 leagues awry into the devious air. Then might ye see cowls, hoods, habits with their wearers tossed and fluttered into rags then relics, beads, indulgences, dispensers, pardons, bulls, the sport of winds. All these upworld aloft fly over the backside of the world far off into the limbo large and broad since called the paradise of fools hmm. so the vibe of that snippet is all these very pious people who have been using their relics and beads and praying and uh, all of this kind of stuff are on their way up to heaven and St Peter's about to open the gate and then oops they get blown away into their <laughs> own little paradise specifically reserved for the wow. fools yeah I think the idea is that it is this foolish thinking that you don't necessarily have to live piously, you can just apologise later. And all of these uh, seemingly like frivolous things to do with like, oh, well, I'm a good person because I donated loads of money to the church. Yeah. Even though I also am like a horrible person that Mm -hmm. like, I don't know, 
murders orphans. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of something really awful. Cool. But I donated loads of money to the church and I said like 12,000 Hail Marys, so it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's that idea of like the uh denial i think mm-hmm. of like bad people saying that they're good people because they just they go through the motions of these things yeah or like the hypocritical nature of it just assuming you're going to heaven because you've followed the guidelines even though you've not actually been a good person mm. um and then that's the idea of yeah that paradise of fools interesting um, i think that's correct please scholars do correct me <laughs> i do my best with what Google will allow me and my very limited knowledge, but that is definitely the vibe that I got when I was reading about it. <laughs> yeah, that's really interesting. This whole chapter is like, I did struggle with it in, in terms of like, you know, it's 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 basically a chapter of what we would hear in the TV show when like mm. we were just with the Magisterium guys and we were like, ugh. But like when I... When I when I read it, because I read the chapters twice, when I read it through without taking my notes, I was like, oh God, I'm not looking forward to doing this chapter. And then when I was making my notes, I was like, all right, yeah, it's a little bit more than like, I suppose what I'm giving it credit for, especially this idea around like preemptive absolution and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I'm interested to talk about it. I feel like it's one of those chapters where Phil will... Similar to, I always go back to thinking about the chapter with Asriel's PowerPoint presentation in the Mm. study and all the scholars are just talking about all this stuff that we've only just picked the books up. It doesn't make any sense. It's loads of geographical facts and historical facts. And Phil is probably doing some really great world building in those Mm. things. But as a child reading it or as a cursory reader, you're kind of bored by it so you don't pay attention. But then when you do a podcast about it or when you choose to read the book's in a more detailed way, you can pull things out of that and find a lot more interest in those boring chapters. 100%. And that's why it feels like hidden sneaky things or put references yeah. in that if you go and research the reference, you're like, oh, interesting. 100%. I know like when I first read the books, like not doing the podcast, I definitely would have skimmed through this chapter and I wouldn't have I wouldn't have looked into things I didn't understand. I would have just like skimmed over it and all that kind of stuff. And I would have thought it like I would have been like, oh, God, like this is a really boring chapter. And like, yeah, it's just like I mean, I could do with some more fucking representation in this chapter. But, you know, like (laughs) it's not as boring as one might see might see him when it when you first read it if that makes sense yeah definitely so my first note is i'm struggling to even start making notes because i know this whole chapter is just full of old white men (laughs) yeah i was the same i was the same i sat down yesterday and i was like okay then and then i got immediately got up and started doing something else i was like no i've got to do it i've got to and then the first then the first thing we find out is that this whole palaver this whole boring magisterial uh bureaucratic palaver has been going on for eight days already (laughs) yeah fucking hell jesus christ Uh, my question is have we met fra parvel before or am i just thinking of the tv show we've definitely met him in the tv show because he is is he the one that he's ratty right yeah but the boreal's like ratty (laughs) yeah but have we met him in the books I think I we might know. have. I think we might have. Because I got confused, if you remember, because we were chatting about this off the pod a while ago, and I thought that we'd already met Father McPhail, but we had, hadn't, and mm-hmm. this is the first time we meet Father McPhail. But I think we might have met Fra Pavel, because he was there. Well, obviously, we know from this that he was there when Coulter was torturing the witch, so I feel like his name did get brought up at some point. So there's a lot of random men's names in this chapter that I had to go back and look for and I have a very interesting point for Demon Watch later on um, on that note Uh, but yeah so I wonder if he was mentioned on the 
the, the torture boat. Torture if, boat. If he was one of yeah. the guys that Serafina overheard chatting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so, yeah, they're like... Uh, it's like witness statements and shit, isn't it? And like he's like giving all this information. Mm. It's a lot of consolidating what we already know and making sure that we now know that the Magisterium now knows this, basically. Yeah, it's very much like, it's very much a, a case of like, okay, there was probably, I don't know this for sure. I could quickly Google it, but maybe I will. <laughs> Who knows? But there was probably a, a few years, actually, a few years in between the subtle knife and the amber spyglass, right? Mm-hmm. If we're thinking about if when you were reading them, like if you were reading them as they came out so this like um we've had a bit of it already this kind of like exposition that we're like we already know this we got it from Azrael last chapter we're getting it now it makes total sense if you are reading them a couple of years apart but obviously if you're reading them like us and you're going straight into it it's like yeah we know this even though it's probably useful for us because Because we we forget forget everything um but let me just look when the amber spyglass was first published versus the soul knife so it was first published in 2000 hang on let me just look when the soul knife was published. the amber spyglass you're right is 2000 soul knife is is it 97 uh first published in 97 this edition published in 98 because i've got the paperback cool yeah i don't know why i had 97 in my head but clearly it's right um so yeah there's three years between so you know that's quite a long time to potentially forget what has happened Subtle Knife was published in the year that Buffy started. Woo! Hell yeah. Because that's why 97 is such an important year. Yes, yes, yes. So we learned that there are 12 members of this CCD. And like you said, they've been hearing evidence for eight days. And like Fra Parvel, he needs to get a grip. Don't you agree? Like he's proper like shaking and he's faint because like he doesn't want to say anything heretic. And like it really annoys me. I'm like actually about as annoyed as Father McVale is when he's like, just fucking say it, mate. Just fucking say it. In part, it's like, yeah, just get the words out. This is really frustrating. And in part, I guess Phil's using it as an opportunity to be like, okay, we're getting info that they kind of already know. I'm going to use it as a way to like maybe repoint out how scary the consistorial court is, how intimidating they are. Yeah. And how they like rule with by fear, I guess. Because like even somebody that works for them is terrified to say something bad in front of them because it will get you killed. Yeah. But also... It's really annoying <laughs> to read because yeah. you're like, t- tell us. And also, we already know. Yeah. <laughs> Just tell them. So he starts to talk about the knife. And this is the first that the Magisterium w- will be hearing about the knife, right? Which is interesting because, mm-hmm. like, it's been such a big part of our lives for so long. And you just assume that the Magisterium kind of always has an idea of what's going on. But, like, there's this big new thing in play that they have no idea about until now. Yeah. And I quite like that. And I like um, there is a quote, I think about the knife that is very good and that you could see why it would um why it would worry the magisterium Mm. the knife in the possession of this boy is able to make openings between worlds furthermore it has a power greater than that please once again i'm afraid of what i am saying it is capable of killing the most high angels and what is higher than them there is nothing this knife cannot destroy and he's sweating and trembling and stuff while he's thinking about it and like the magisterium hearing that this thing can kill higher than angels. This thing, there is nothing it can't destroy. Yeah. That is like, a, that's a big old super weapon that yeah. they're just finding out about now, which is a lot. And yeah. you can see why he would be scared to say it because saying there's something that can kill an angel or something higher than an angel probably is about as heretical as you could get if you weren't sure it was true. Yeah. If that makes very sense. True. Very true. In the, eyes, in the eyes of the Magisterium. Yeah. Yeah. So they start to talk about... 
the name Eve, which again, we got that in this little knife, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Eve, mother um, of all. Yeah. 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 Yep. So they start to talk about that. He says, I beg your pardon, truly. The child then is in the position of Eve, the wife of Adam, the mother of us all, and the cause of all sin. The stenograph is taken down every word where nuns of the order of Philem- Philomel sworn to silence. But for our Pavel's words, there came a smothered gasp on one of them, and there was a flurry of hands as they crossed themselves. Fra Pavel twitched and went on. Don't know if you went down the same train of thought here, but I was like, why are these nuns sworn to silence? I did not. I did not go down that train of thought. Okay, so I had a look into it because I didn't really know why. Because my original thought was like, these are the only women we get in this chapter and they're sworn to silence. Why? Why is this a thing? So I had a look into St. Philomel first because I was like, I wonder if that's got anything to do with it. And it kind of seems like it has... Like, if you're sworn, like, to silence, it can be, like, a vow... So, like, a vow of silence, It's kind of, this is what Wikipedia says, um, is often seen as essential to deepening a relationship with God. It's also considered a virtue in some religions. So that is the reason. But I was like, oh, I wonder if, like, St. Philomel's got anything to do with this. And I googled it. And it doesn't look like St. Philomel is actually a thing. But uh, Philomel of uh, Philomena is a thing in Greek mythology. Oh, basically, it's Philomela or Philomel. It's kind of like it's a bit. It's not. It's not a nice. It's not a nice tale. Basically, oh no. (laughs) I mean, a lot of the Greek stories never are. (laughs) Yeah, basically. So trigger warning. Yeah, Philomela was. she was i don't know actually what she was she was just she was just a, a person in greek mythology <laughs> and um she was like assaulted by somebody called thrace who i think was potentially her brother-in-law and he threatened her and advised her to keep silent um she was defiant and said fuck you basically and so in his rage he cut out her tongue and abandoned her in a cabin. And then she couldn't speak because of her injuries and she wore a tapestry uh, tapestry that told her story. There's a lot of other like horrendous things that happened in between that I'm not going to read out because they're a bit fucking brutal because it's Greek mythology. But uh, basically her and her sister ended up fleeing and in desperation they they prayed to the gods to be turned into birds and escaped the rage of the people that were after them. Uh, and the gods transformed her sister into a swallow and Philomela into a nightingale. Aww. So I wonder like whether, you know, because of her having a tongue cut out and not being able to speak had something to do with why Phil chose that. I absolutely think that you are correct on that. I'm really glad that you Googled that because I didn't even think to. Uh, good, good shout. Thanks. But also that was a really like haphazard telling of that story. And I'm sorry. <laughs> that it wasn't like but yeah considering how brutal Greek mythology is I think you did a very good job of telling it w- with the details we needed to know which is uh, an attack and then being silenced metaphorically and then physically that makes a lot of sense what a horrible uh, saint to mm-hmm. uh, feel the need to emulate like yeah. the silence is in that case of that Greek myth which obviously in this world feels obviously drawn from the name because he, I have no doubt that he knows a lot of the myths. Yeah. Like it's very yeah. much his vibe. Um, he's probably picked that name specifically to hark on that. But also, mm-hmm. what a horrible story to have behind the name of a saint. Like that's yeah, martyrdom's such a weird concept. Yeah, it really, and is. like it really is. Um, also, if there are any listeners that are like really, you know, like 
Greek mythology scholars are just really into it and I told that terribly. I'm aware that I did and I'm sorry. And if you have any more information, let us know. Um, I is not a Greek mythology scholar. <laughs> yeah, silent nuns. I mean, it's nice to have some women in the room. I just, uh... I didn't like, I, I didn't like the contrast between all these like outspoken white men who are like just fucking free to like fucking say whatever they fuck they want because it's it's their it's their court and it's their area and then having the only women the juxtaposition of having the only women in the chapter being silent like mm. i did not i i don't oh, yeah. like that no. at all and the one thing that shocks them that they've heard so far, considering how brutal the magisterium is, is that they said the name Eve, and that they yeah. said that she is Eve, and they're like, <gasps> and then crossing themselves and stuff, and it's like, eh. uh, yeah. Again, we've said it once, we'll say it again. Can we all please stop blaming Eve for everything? Oh, I know, Can we all me. please stop saying, like, ugh, I. I have so much hate for the religious rhetoric that is like, yeah, that's the reason that women have periods and have pain because of Eve's first sin. Like, oh, oh you're all just being punished because oh, you're all... fuck off. Yeah. And it's just like... Uh, or like, oh, yeah, the reason that everybody in the world is bad is this one woman had one bite of an apple and just because she wanted to know a bit more because she was having knowledge kept from her by the person Fuck's that was in charge. Sake. Like, uh, let's not... <laughs> Can we stop with all the Eve hate, please? It's fucking gross. Ugh, grim. Yeah, not cool. So, uh, Lyra is Eve. Um, Nuns gasp. I really want to make the no nuns. No nuns, none joke again, (laughs) because I've recently been rewatching what we do in the shadows. So So I love it. Um, And then we get a little alethiometer prediction from Fra Pavel. Can I just ask, sorry to interrupt, can I ask a quick question about this before you go into it? So it says, please remember the alethiometer does not forecast. It says if certain things come about, then the consequences will be. Is that true? Because we have we have seen Lyra ask the alethiometer very specific questions like, is Will's mum okay? Where is Lee? And she's always got answers, like concrete answers. They're present tense answers. So the alethiometer is saying, you can ask, is Will's mum all right? And, he, and it can be like, yes, right now she is. Because yeah. it knows that right now she is. But he couldn't say, will Will Will's mum be all right? And they would be like, potentially I could see the alethiometer being like, if she stays put, then yes, she yeah. will or something. Or like not giving a really clear answer because it's it's future and nobody knows. I think mm. maybe that's what they're saying. It's like, right. you can ask a present tense. It's like, yes, there is a prophecy about Lyra this will only come to pass if X, Y, Z, if these chips fall into place or something. I don't know. Well, anyway, sorry, carry carry on. You were going to say something. Basically, I just want to read a paragraph and a half because there's his little prediction and then also a really lovely description of some dusty stuff. Dusty um, stuff. Please remember the alethiometer does not forecast. It says if certain things come about, then the consequences will be and so on. And it says that if it comes about that the child is tempted as Eve was, then she is likely to fall. On the outcome will depend everything. And if this temptation does take place and she does give in, then dust and sin will triumph. There was silence in the courtroom. The pale sunlight that filtered through the great leaded windows held in its slanted beams a million golden motes. But they were dust, not dust, though more than one member of the court had seen in them an image of that other invisible dust that settled on every 
human being, no matter how dutifully they kept the laws. I just love it. Like every time I see dust, like, you know, sunlight streaming through a window and dust floating around, I do think about dust with a capital D. And I love Phil going, it was dust, not dust. It was dust, not dust. It was was little D dust, not big D dust. (laughs) Big D dust, oh my God. Uh, Not dust with a big D energy, (laughs) just with a little D energy. Please don't. (laughs) I'm just breaking faith. (laughs) <laughs> uh, oh, um, yeah no that's a nice quote definitely i like that and also i think it's the first time that we've had like dust big d dust compared to little d dust which is mm-hmm. nice father mcphail asks where lyra is fra pavel tells him and then mentions that the society of the work of the holy spirit knows more but again he's scared to say it because it would be dangerous to get caught in between them, but even more dangerous to hold that information back. The president tells him to keep looking into where Lyra is slash what the other branch are doing. And also, I got, like, it's a little while before you realise that Father McPhail is a president, right? Because I was, like, thinking Mm -hmm. that Father McPhail and the president were two people for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. There's, like, a a nice full description, which I am very excited for, of Father McPhail. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, It's interesting to see the infighting within the magisterium and the fact that there is this competition between the church of the works of the holy spirit and the uh, consistorial court of discipline it's interesting to see their like one-upmanship and also we've already been told in a previous chapter that i think it was lord roke that told asriel church of the holy spirit knows more but the ccd will be more decisive when they find out and so we're getting this again of like the ccd finding out that the church of the holy spirit knows more but they're like more more decisive, which we'll find out when they decide to set an assassin. <laughs> I just had a quote on um, <clears throat> number one. Fra Pavel has a frog demon. I bloody love frogs. I don't think there's a single bi person out there in the world that doesn't love frogs. Yay, frogs! It's the only good part of Fra Pavel is yeah. his frog demon, yeah. Um, yeah. who uh, falls off a little know, podium and then he picks her up and gives her a sip of water. And I'm oh. like, yes to that frog demon. Yeah, we love her. Maybe <laughs> depending on how evil yeah. she is. Yeah. Um, and then the nuns flex their fingers which I don't know why reading the sentence the nuns flex their fingers got me (laughs) but it did um and then they're asked to leave so they leave yep uh uh, so the nuns are asked to leave and asked to have the transcriptions on the desk by the end of the day and they silently do as they're told because apparently that's okay in this world for silent (sighs) women to be messed around Anyway, we get a little more info on the people in the room, right? We do. Before that, there's a bit where it says, gentlemen, said the president, for that was the murder of a dress in the consistorial court. Does that mean that even if, well, I'm assuming, I'm not giving the magisterium enough credit that they would even fucking let a woman in there. But like, if they did, would they still say gentlemen, even if there were women or non-binary people in there? I don't think they're going to go for guys, gals and non-binary pals. I don't think um, they're going to go for girls, gays and this. That's not... No. <laughs> Even ladies and gentlemen, it, yeah, it's a bit of a stretch. Let's just address the gentlemen. Um, folks, definitely not in their vocabulary. No, no, um, no, no, no. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, it's not happening, is it? It's not just happening. gentlemen. At least it's not brethren or something. I don't know, brethren Gross. freaks me out. It's a bit culty. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, we do get um, 
a little bit more information about it. And my my why my, my one note here from literally just one sentence about Father Gomez, not even a sentence, just a couple of words is Father Gomez needs to fucking chill. Already he needs to chill. Just calm he down. He is uh, the youngest, uh, pale and trembling with zealotry. Oh He's my so god! Excited. Get a He's fucking so grip. <laughs> Get a grip. Get a fucking grip. Yeah. Oh, God. I'm going to read a description of, speaking of failure, Father McPhail. Oh, my God, this fucking description. I can't. I'm going to say something at the end, and I really want to tell you if the same thing resonated with you or if it's just me just making a really silly, like, silly connection. Right. Okay. The current president of the consistorial court was a Scot called Hugh McPhail. He had been elected young, president served for life, and he was only in his 40s, so it was expected that Father MacPhail would mould the destiny of the consistorial court and thus the whole church for many years to come. He was a dark-featured man, tall and imposing, with a shock of wiry grey hair, and he would have been fat if it were not for the brutal discipline he imposed on his body. He drank only water and ate only bread and fruit, and he exercised for an hour daily under the supervision of a trainer of champion athletes. As a result, he was gaunt and lined and restless. His demon was a lizard. When I read... He exercised for an hour daily under the supervision of a trainer of champion athletes. My head just went, a bit Vladimir Putin-y, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know why. A bit Putin-y. And also the only existing on bread and fruit is a bit that priest from the film Chocolat, because uh, he like will only eat dry, sad bread for like the entirety of Lent. Uh, yeah. And also casting choices for the TV series with his shock of wiry grey hair and him being Daphne's lovely dad who does not have any shocks of wiry grey hair. It just sounds like a right fucking laugh, doesn't it? Just a right barrel of fucking laughs. Also, my thing is that when it says that he exercised for an hour daily under the supervision of a trainer of champion athletes, I was like, well, what else are they doing? Are they just exercising? (laughs) For an hour a day, every day. It's a brutal exercise regime. That's why it's (laughs) absolutely brutal. Every day is a leg day. I'm sorry, but this entire chapter has massive undertones of punish me daddy running the entire way through it. Yes, yes. Oh my God. So, get a little five point plan from Father McPhail. Uh, which is very nicely outlined in firstly, secondly, thirdly, fourthly, fifthly, which Love is great. Love to see that, yeah. <laughs> or finally, not fifthly, yeah. fifthly. Fifthly. Um, firstly, Lord Asriel's assembling an army. They've got a witch that's like spying for them slash knows what's going on. Basically, yeah, they know Asriel is coming for the authority. Yeah. And they're like, we've got to do something around that. That's agenda point number one. Agenda yeah. point number two, the ablation board. They shouldn't have set up the centre at Bolvanger. The CCD did not know about it. Mm-hmm. And that's news to us. Yeah. yeah which yeah, I yeah. love. Mrs. Coulter went right under their noses. Yeah. S- said every- oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Father McFell said it was fine. We'll just set up He's this research board. centre. Like, oh, no, no, don't, don't ask him. Don't ask him. I've got permission. Yeah, don't, yeah. You, don't you go asking anybody. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> evil as heck. But I really love the sneakiness of it. Of yeah. Mrs. Coulter to be like, oh, no, no, it's fully sanctioned. Fully sanctioned. Don't go questioning their authority. <laughs> and yeah, she's got, absolutely. they have no clue. I love that. Right under their noses. <laughs> Thirdly, get the knife. Good. Fourthly, dust. Eh, we should find out more about it. Let's go talk to a scientist in a minute to find out a bit more about it. Yeah. On the agenda, find out more about dust. Mm-hmm. Final goal with that, end dust, destroy it, whatever. Just destroy Fifthly, it. Fifthly, 
let's kill Lyra. <laughs> Do you know, right, I completely agree with, like, the Lady Salmachia in that it makes total sense for them to want to kill Lyra. And, like, the mm-hmm. way that he says it, he says it as if it's, like, some kind... Like, obviously, it, it is a big deal to kill a child. But, like, I wouldn't have thought it would have been that big a deal to the Magisterium. Like, he says, I'm going to propose the most radical and I have confidence in your agreement. And, like, you know, they're, they're, they're big up to it as if it's, like, this thing that they would never... Like, they've never done before or whatever. And it's, like, that makes total sense to me that they'd want to kill Lyra. I I don't find that piece of information shocking whatsoever. What I don't find shocking is that they're not adding anyone else to that list. Mm. Because later in the chapter, Father McPhail says, follow the tempter, not Lyra. The tempter, she will lead you to Lyra. Why are we not killing her? Because if Lyra has tempted everyone before, why aren't we killing the tempter and Lyra? I'm just saying, they could have a more harsh approach (laughs) if they wanted to. Get a bit harsher, guys, you know? It's very like the villain telling you their plan and setting you on a very slow conveyor belt towards a saw rather than just shooting you. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's very... So we're going to have this very one specific plan. I mean, they are also doing a million other really horrible, brutal things and they're very bad. But yeah, why aren't they saying kill it? Like, you know, kill them kill them both? Get rid of anybody that looks like they might tempt her? Like, yeah. we're trying yeah. to save the world here, folks, or we think yeah. we are. Like, yeah, could be more extreme. And then fucking... Father Gomez pipes up and he's like, please, Daddy. And then... Please, Sir. (laughs) Please, Misters. Please, Misters. I've been training my whole life for this. Uh, Pick me, Daddy. Pick me. Sorry, I'm going to stop saying Daddy at some point. I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) She's not. It's never going to (sighs) stop. And then McPhail's like, stop. And then this is where we get the paragraph about, like, preemptive penance, preemptive absolution, all that kind of shit. And did you, like, is this, is it a real thing? Did you know about it? Like, I googled, she's got, she's got, she's got some research. Before you go into that, can I just (laughs) do, so, um, the bit, there's not even a particular bit. I just had a note that says all the bit about fucking, like, scourging and flagellation. Sounds kinky to me. Boom. (laughs) (laughs) Done. Okay, tell us about it, Rich. Preemptive penance and absolution were doctrines that were researched and developed by the consistorial court, but not known to the wider church. They involved doing penance for sin not yet committed, intense and fervent penance accompanied by scourging and flagellation, so as to build up, as it were, a store of credit. When the penance had reached the appropriate level for a particular sin, the penitent was granted absolution in advance though he might never be called on to commit the sin. It was sometimes necessary to kill people, for example, and so it was much less troubling for the assassin if he could do so in a state of grace. (laughs) It's a very um, bureaucratic way of getting around them sins and Mm -hmm. it really, really makes me think of this the quote that Phil chose of, like, um, the fool's paradise, of, like, thinking you can get away with stuff if you just say enough Hail Marys or whatever. The idea of the preemptive absolution and the uh having like especially like an assassin or somebody that is allowed to kill people sanctioned by the church made me think of have you seen the da vinci code um no so paul bettany's character Um, in the da vinci code is called silas um and there's a scene where so he's basically also sent after it's the holy grail they're looking for right um he's also sent after that and he is basically kind of sanctioned to do whatever he must do to get the holy grail but that does involve potentially killing people and so he consistently is performing these acts of like self-flagellation and acts of penance 
throughout the film and you get you there's a whole scene of that and he's wearing like this horrible like spiked garter belt thing it's like a garter with spikes on the inside um and so paul bettany's character is called silas and also the garter belt thing that he's wearing is also called silas Hmm. or it's spelled c-i-l-i-c-e um it's also known as a sackcloth and it is was originally an undergarment made of coarse cloth or animal hair or a hair shirt worn close to the skin and it was used by members of various christian traditions including catholic anglo-catholics lutherans methodists and presbyterians as a self-imposed means of repentance and mortification of the flesh and as an instrument of penance and it's often worn during uh christian festivals of penance like lent and especially on like ash wednesday and good friday uh hair shirts were originally made from coarse animal hair and is an imitation of a garment worn by john the baptist that was made of camel hair the idea is to irritate the skin consistently throughout the day as like a form of like ongoing penance um these were also adapted into things that were uh that were called siluses that were more uncomfortable and they were made of twigs or wires and in modern versions there's like the garter belt one which is what we see in um the da vinci code Mm -hmm. so that's fun i just i got really into that like little thing so i wonder if a part of father gomez's thing is he's either wearing a very itchy shirt um, all the time or he's got this weird little garter belt situation going on who knows but it is a thing of like mm. part of your repentance wearing uncomfortable clothing it's um, yeah. such fucking bullshit in it like what yes. the fuck uh, I was looking if there was any historical precedence for um, this like preemptive absolution mm. and the only thing that I found that I felt resonated particularly well is especially as it is mentioned in the little quote at the beginning is um a papal bull and so a bull is like a decree or an edict or like a little like a pardon written by the pope um and there was a big thing during the crusades um there was a thing called the bull of the crusade which granted indulgences to people who participated in the crusades and an indulgence um within catholicism it means it like reduces the amount of punishment or penance you have to undergo for the sins you commit right um and so if you took part in the crusades they they basically meant yeah you can go you can kill people you can take part in our massive war that we're waging against the rest of the world and anybody with beliefs that are different from us and you can get away with murder because we're gonna like reduce you we're gonna call it time served we're gonna Mm -hmm. call it time served so you can go and kill people and also if you as part of your joining the the crusades help to build some churches and monasteries (laughs) that can be your penance (laughs) oh good for you yeah really bad (laughs) And later, the indulgences were offered to the people who couldn't join in the Crusades, but did give cash distributions to the church instead. So right. you can sin however sure. much you like as long as you give the church enough money. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking yeah. Up. Uh, just to like clarify the name of the chapter as well and the idea of this preemptive absolution, why that is the chapter. Father Gomez has already done all the penance. Yeah. The penance is offered by the sinner and the absolution is the forgiveness that is offered by the priest. Mm-hmm. So when... Father McPhail grants him the absolution. That is the preemptive absolution. That is you've done enough of your you've done enough of your self-flagellation to let you off for this little old murder. <laughs> Big tick in your box. We've we've stamped the form and you can go on your way. Daddy Daddy says yes. Yeah, you've been pre-forgiven. Um yeah. Some interesting Uh precedents. If anybody else knows, especially if anybody has any backgrounds or scholarly 
studies of especially things like that within Catholicism, because I think that is definitely what Phil is harking at in this particular chapter, especially mm-hmm. with the way with the references he's pulled. Please do let us know, because that was the closest I could find was the Crusades with the papal bulls for pre-forgiving mm. people for taking part in the Crusades. But if there's anything else you know of that is a Catholic tradition that harks more similarly to the preemptive absolution we've talked about, then yeah. Yeah. Well done on that research, Rich. So... Father Gomez gets the job. And honestly, the young priest was nearly weeping with pride. <laughs> Get a grip. He's, it doesn't like strike me as like a particularly cool and calculated assassin, you know, <laughs> from the way that he's acting. <laughs> very true, very true. But also it's like, it's super creepy, the idea of somebody having spent their whole life prepping to be able to, one only assumes, kill someone, which means... What's what's his deal? Yeah. You know? Yeah. If this was an episode of Criminal Minds, mm. <laughs> what would be going on here? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know? Um, we learn that the Galavespian spy is hiding in there listening to everything that's been happening. After Father McPhail when Father McPhail mentions and agrees to send Father Gomez, he does this little uh I'm gonna say I'm gonna call it a pep talk. Mm. He does a little pep talk. When Father Gomez leaves with our blessing, he will be on his own, unable to be reached or recalled. Whatever happens to anything else, he will make his way like the arrow of God straight to the child and strike her down. He will be invisible. He will come in the night like the angel that blasted the Assyrians and he will be silent. How much better for all of us if if there had been a Father Gomez in the Garden of Eden. We would never have left paradise. Fucking hell. These two need to fuck. Just fuck already. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Um, The thing that pricked up my ears was uh, this whole, the angel that blasted the Assyrians. And I knew that Phil being Phil, it would be a biblical reference. And it is a biblical reference that is also mentioned in a poem by Lord Byron. So Lord Byron wrote a little poem about it, which is fun. Uh, it's also a poem that got rejigged to um, refer to a cricket match, <laughs> which Fair. is fun. Um, so the poem is about the biblical account of Sennacherib's attempted siege of Jerusalem. According to the Bible, in 2 Kings 8.13, the Assyrian army came against all the fenced cities of Judah and took them. And when the Assyrians were, be- were besieging Jerusalem... He- Hezekiah there's a lot of names I'm I'm so sorry if I'm butchering (laughs) these names in the besieging of Jerusalem Hezekiah prayed to Jehovah in the temple and Isaiah uh, and Isaiah sent the reply from Jehovah I will defend the city to save it for mine own sake and for mine servant David's sake and during the following night the angel of the Lord smote the camp of the Assyrians and a hundred fourscore and five thousand so by morning most of the Assyrian army was found as dead corpses fucking hell so it's just this angel shows up and just um, wipes out an entire army uh, as wow. part of this thing. And appara- in, in like apparently silently and like they just like they were all ready for this uh, big old battle in the morning and everyone wakes up and then they look out and they're like, oh, look, the besieging army. Ev- everyone's dead. <laughs> Woohoo. <laughs> and so that's the reference that Father McPhail is making when he... Uh, talks about the angel that blasted the Assyrians is this um, 
what's he called? Deus ex machina moment, this hand of mm. God moment when he sent an angel to just completely wipe out an opposing army for somebody because they did wow. a little prayer. Wow. Thanks. Wow. She's research wow, indeed. queen. She's research queen today. I am. She is. I um, felt like I had to get a lot out of this chapter because it was so many boring old white men, but actually there's more than we thought. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So now we move into the cellars. Uh, MacPhail is talking to the guy that was at Bolvanger. Mm-hmm. My first note, get this man a belt. He's holding his trousers up. I think it's so that when they pause between torturing him, he can't um, end his own life. Yeah. Uh, that's exactly what I thought too. Yeah. Which, but also, ha- lovely. This, well, at lovely. least get him something to pin his trousers a bit yeah. better closed because he's clutching them. Yeah. What a fucking power move from Father MacPhail as well, being like, sit down. There's nothing to sit down on. <laughs> Just yeah. like, there's no furniture. Sit down. On the on the floor? Crisscross applesauce? Yeah. yeah. Um, also, just to call out, MacPhail really reminds me of Mrs. Coulter. Um, like, he seems to be able to, like, charm people really easily um, mm. and, like, manipulate people in that way. Because, like, this guy has clearly been tortured and he's clearly probably going to get tortured some more. But... Like Father MacPhail, like manages to like talk him around to like doing whatever he wants him to do, and I know that this guy will have a fear of the church as well. And but yeah, he's very like very cult esque in like how he like charms people. It's very um, the soothing balm after the like horrible event. He's coming yeah. in and he's being this like friendly, encouraging, like the good cop. Good cop, yeah. bad cop. He's coming in and being a good cop. He's coming in and being sick, a little bit sickly sweet, especially towards the end when he's like offering to set up an entire like lab for this guy and be like, anything you need, just tell us. And it's like this guy has probably been really badly tortured. Yeah. It's a it's um it's probably a word for the contrast that I can't think of. This man is described, his name is Dr. Cooper, and he's described as having a rabbit demon. Dun, 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 demon watch. <laughs> I, when I first read Rabbit Demon, I was like, oh, cool. I'm going to have a flick back through the Northern Lights and find out if we met a doctor Ah, with a rabbit demon Nice. when Lyra was at Bolvanger. We do not. Mm. The people Lyra interacts with at Bolvanger, the the doctor who takes her measurements and is like testing her for dust, he has a moth demon. And then the three men that uh, she is found by that put her in the silver guillotine, they have a badger, an owl, and a baboon. Hmm. However, note, when Mrs. Coulter is the three men that Mrs. Coulter is talking to in the room that Lyra is eavesdropping on, Mm -hmm. Mrs. Coulter does refer to one of them as Dr. Cooper. So has Phil forgotten what demons these people had? Or was Dr. Cooper a fourth person that left when when Coulter left? And we didn't Mm. really know because Lyra couldn't see what was happening. Has Phil just been like, eh, doesn't really make sense for a badger, uh, owl or a baboon to be in this like torch scene. We want an animal that's a bit more like uh, timid to mm. like reflect that. So I'm just going to hope that nobody remembers that I already mentioned Dr. Cooper and that I never mentioned a rabbit and I'm just going to give him a rabbit. Yeah, maybe. Maybe he was just know. like, eh, I don't like that. I'm going to change his demon. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting, or yeah, or it could be the Doctor Cooper left the room. I only re-skim read the Bolfanger chapter, so I, I could be wrong. But That's I was like, oh, hey, no rabbit demons that Lyra's interacted with at her time at Bolfanger, and then oh, hey, Doctor 
Cooper, you're mentioned in both chapters. What's happening now? Mm. Yeah, that is interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, well, like, Phil had no issue with changing Mrs. Coulter's hair colour, so I don't see why he would yeah. have an issue yeah. with changing the demon. But yeah, that is interesting. Yeah, we're, we're like, taken all the way back to book one here, like, about when they nearly severed Lyra, just reminding us of basically everything that's... most things that have happened in all the books. Mm-hmm. And they were told that the... Like we said earlier, they were told that the programme had CCD approval when it didn't. He's so very sorry. He's like, we never would have even dreamt of doing it if yeah. we didn't know that we were allowed to, Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, 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 yes. And uh, MacPhail wants to know what the source of the energy that made the Azrael explosion is uh, and how that came about. Mm-hmm. Also, this bit really made me laugh. Uh, Dr. Cooper swallowed. In the intense silence, a drop of sweat fell from his chin to the concrete floor and both men heard it distinctly. <laughs> it just must be really embarrassing for him. <laughs> it just that moment when you're, you, you both look and then your eyes meet and you both know that you both know, but neither, neither one says anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> how awkward and then he says that like oh there was this one guy that said that like the energy like came from like a powerful ambaric current but nobody took him seriously blah 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 i was like babe you should have paid attention to this guy and he died in the attack so he dead father mcphail is on it this is where he gets really super friendly and he's like oh don't worry like have courage we need you to be strong and brave this is a great work you'll have everything you need what do you need give us a list of furniture you want you'll have a pen and paper and everything you'll be so comfortable please just tell everyone what you want we just need you to recreate these experiments we need to know he says it's a great task dr cooper and you are blessed to be entrusted with it give thanks to the authority and dr cooper's like i do father president i do this is what i mean about him being like coulter because it says grass been the loose waistband of his trousers the philosopher stood up and bowed almost without realizing it again and again as the president of the consistorial court of discipline left his cell i can imagine somebody doing something similar with coulter yeah i mean i would definitely bow to coulter what who mommy sorry sorry Sorry. (laughs) so we now move to uh i'm gonna call him chef Aw, little Chevy. She- Chevy the spy uh, in Geneva, and he's meeting the Lady Salmachia. Love to see yeah. her. She's great. And it's dangerous for them because they can get attacked by, like, cats and dogs and stuff. And it says that, like, the Lady Salmachia had, had saved him from a dog before, and just, it's just great. I love her. R.I.P. Justice for Stray Cats, because it has more than one prowling cat had met his death <laughs> at the at the hands of the Galavespians. And I'm like, okay, like... Yeah, don't eat tiny people, cats. Like, not cool. But also, poor cats. Yeah, yeah, that's true. (laughs) Our our pal Chev's been watching all the goings-on at the Magisterium and is having a little liaise with the Lady Salmachia about what they've both found out. You're right. The Lady Salmachia says, well, yeah, it does make sense. For them to want to kill Lyra. That they'd want to kill Lyra. Of course it does. Like, that's the logical conclusion. But Mm -hmm. uh, they also find out that the... CCD and the Church of the Holy Spirit are planning a little meeting, but she's mm-hmm. like, they're not going to tell them that they've sent an assassin after her. Yeah. They're, they're just going to trade info, but they're, they're definitely going to keep some cards to their chest and the assassin yeah. is one of them. Did you think that... So the next bit here where we learn that they only live to be like nine or ten mm-hmm. is very shoehorned in. Like, it just doesn't really fit. Like, 
it like obviously we're with the Galvespians, but it's like so it says unspoken behind that brief exchange was the one thing they never spoke of the shortness of their lives compared with those of humans Galvespians live to nine years or ten rarely more and Chevy and Salmachia were both in their eighth year they didn't fear old age their people died in the full strength and vigor of their prime suddenly and their childhoods were very brief but compared to them the life of a child like Lyra would extend as far into the future as the lives of the witches extended past Lyra's own and like it's great piece of information and I like how it's written Mm -hmm. but it just seems very shoehorned into their conversation because it's like oh what we didn't what they didn't say is how they were scared of dying I'm like aren't we all like but it's not in the background of every conversation that I'm having do you know I mean it just seemed very shoehorned in. I mean, maybe not not for you no um, <laughs> yeah it is a bit shoehorned in. I love it I love that bit of information I love the comparison of mm. how Lyra's life to the Gala Vespians is a witch's life to Lyra's in terms yeah. of like the length and the scope of it um I think it's a beautiful comparison but it's you're right it is oddly thrown in at the end but yeah. I guess Phil really wanted to get it in there at the beginning mm-hmm. of us meeting the Gala Vespians so it's something we know for all future meetings is just I don't know why it's not mentioned when Lord Roke's having a chat with Asriel because that yeah, feels exactly. more relevant yeah because we're learning more like when they were telling uh, when we got told about you know how they got poisoned in their spurs and stuff why not put it in there yeah like when we first meet them yeah they agree to meet next week and head off mm-hmm. to compose a message on the lodestone resonator which it's the second time it's mentioned maybe we'll find, yeah. find out more about them at some point while our pal the Chevalier Talise, I think Chevalier is a title. I think it's like general yes. or like thing. Yeah, it says the Chevalier, doesn't it? Yeah. Like... So when our pal Chevy was meeting Salmachia, the president and Father Gomez had a chat. McPhail and Gomez had a chat whereby it was like the, whatever the ceremony that involved Father McPhail granting the father gomez the preemptive absolution is a thing um it would make his murder of lyra no murder at all and father gomez seemed transfigured the certainty that ran through his veins seemed to make his very eyes incandescent i hate all the descriptions we've had of him so far we've had him as well i've made a list of all the descriptions we've had of him and i hate them all (laughs) so he's pale and trembling with zealotry and after the dust speech his uh, eyes are blazing and he's nodding passionately fucking gross and like just all of these descriptions of him just being really like a man on the edge Mm. it's like i I would be scared to meet him in a dark alley from the level the frequency that he is vibrating at is not okay with me it's (laughs) just gross like that's the word i have for it it's just gross like ew get a fucking grip man yeah you should not be this excited about the prospect of being sent off to go and kill no. a child. A child. Gross. This is where MacPhail tells Gomez to follow the tempter. Yeah. And Gomez is shocked to find out that the tempter is a she. Uh, we know it's Mary. She's to play the serpent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that he... It, Gomez is warned that he's going to see loads of things that he might, might not expect. Like, the world that Mary is from is very different. And he has to have faith in himself in order to get through this. Like, you just got to believe in yourself. You can do it. You can go and find and kill that child. Mm-hmm. Sure. Believe in yourself. Sure. Uh, do you think that also there's an undertone here of him being shocked that it's a she because they don't think that women can actually fucking do anything? Yeah. Yeah. And I guess it's tradi- traditionally in the Bible story, the tempter is the serpent, the serpent is the devil, the devil is traditionally depicted as male. And so it being a woman is like... A, 
a fun twist to the traditional story. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I'm just going to read this last bit. It's... <laughs> Here is all we know about the woman, he said, and the, and the world she comes from and the place she was last seen. Read it well, my dear Louis, and go with my blessing. He had never used the priest's given name before. Father Gomez felt tears of joy prick his eyes and he kissed the president farewell. Gay. <laughs> Gay. Yeah. Fucking hell. Fuck me. It's just the it's too much. The undertones are overtones. Um mm. I don't think Phil realised how how uh gay he was making the Magisterium when he wrote it. <laughs> yeah. Oh god. I, I look, if we don't make it fun and queer, we'll cry. So yeah. <laughs> it's very true. Please don't come for us for making horrible people have cute gay relationships. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Although, like, you know, this is absolutely not cute. No. <laughs> no. So we're back with Roger and Lyra. At the end of the previous chapter, he says he's not at the end of his, his herp and then we leave it and then come to this chapter because you're Lyra. She is, but also that's a lot to tell someone. Yeah, and she feels like a burden, like settle on her sh- her little shoulders. Yeah. And she mentions Mary and the other Oxford, but she's been like pulled back into sleep, so she can't really like make sense of it or, or say it properly. So there's a bit here where it says, it was almost impossible now to see the little boy and her thoughts were spreading out and wandering away like sheep in a field. And I love that description because that happens to me all the time when I'm trying to remember a dream. It's yeah. like I'm holding water in my hands and it's like trickling away when I'm trying to like remember it and like tell someone about it and it just like falls out of my brain. So I love that. She's obviously talking about Will here as well when um, she says, but there's only one, really one person who dot, dot, dot. Um, but we can trust in Roger, I swear, she said with the final effort. Um, and then and then that's it. That's the end yeah. of the chapter. Ba, ba, ba. Ba, ba, ba. Well, we got through the oldest man is wise chapter that is we did. the book so far. Well done. Well done. Yeah. I have feelings about Lyra's dream chapters. I am, what are we, chapter six? Six chapters and no, well, Lyra, but no Lyra. I'm, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling her absence, especially when the time has been yeah. filled with pieces of trash like Father McPhail and Father, and, and Father Gomez. So I'm definitely missing Lyra. I'm getting a bit like antsy about it. I'm like, come on, come on. Mm. And we're not going to, I mean, judging, do you want to tell us what the next chapter is called? Because judging by that title, we're not going to get a bad next <laughs> chapter either. <laughs> the next chapter is called Mary Alone. Mm. So, I mean, at least some time with Mary. Yeah, I'm excited oh, for time Mary. with Mary. Yeah, I've missed Mary a lot. I'm excited for time with her, but I'm just like, come on, I want Lyra back. So, <laughs> do, you, do you have an award to give out this week? I do, I do. Mine, I mean, f- fuck all the magisterium, obviously. Mine is for the Lady Salmachia. Yeah, Because she nice. seems like a fucking badass. Like, she saved Chevy from the fucking stray dog or cat. And she is very seems very practical, very much like, yeah, yeah, that makes total sense to me that they'd want to mm-hmm. kill Lyra. And I just, I, I just like her. I just like that about her. I'm excited to see more of her, hopefully. Nice, nice. Mm-hmm. What about you? I'm going to give my award to some of the only other women in this chapter. It's to the nuns. Yes, nuns. Yes. Some. Yes, nuns. <laughs> yes, nuns. I mean, they are working for the Magisterium, which isn't very cool. But my hope is that after they have 
flexed their fingers and gone off to their priory together that they will find the love of their sisters and um, <laughs> just make it work, you know? They did do some finger flexing. They're ready. Yeah. So sisters doing it for themselves and hopefully <laughs> for each other. Uh, I just, I have a lot of hope for these nuns. Yeah. I can only wish them the best going forward and that they realise that these priests that they have been serving are not worth it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I just hope for them that they, like like our pal Mary, mm-hmm. find the true mm-hmm. path yes. <laughs> and become Agreed. big gay nerdy scientists just like yep. our pal Mary. <laughs> That's Agreed. what I want for them. <laughs> Agreed. I think that would be a great journey for them. Yes. Absolutely. Yep. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to do your reviews, Spiel? If you are enjoying our coverage of his dark materials, even the chapters that are absolutely chocked full of old white men, you can leave us a review anywhere that you can leave us a review. If you're able to do that, we would absolutely love it. And we have a little reward system in place to encourage your review leaving. If you screenshot your review and send it to us at herdarkmaterialspod at gmail.com, that email with your screenshot counts as your entry into a prize draw. When we get 50 entries, we'll pull out 10 names, 10 people will get some super cool bookmarks, and one person will get the up-to-date sticker and bookmark merch pack that we have going. So get your reviews in. We're doing quite, we've had quite a few in recently, and we really love it. Not only do you have a reward in place if you leave a review, potentially. It just, it warms our hearts. And it, really it makes does. us very, very happy. Yeah, say nice things, give us five stars. If you can't review us or don't want to, you can shout us out on social media, tell a friend about us, help us grow our lovely community. We love to see it. It's great. Yeah. A final note about merch. Go to our socials, go to our shop, find all the info you need about merch there, big it up, share it with a friend. T-shirts, T-shirts, T-shirts. Get a loved one to order it for you for Christmas. And yes, yes, uh, if you you celebrate, that is. Uh, And if not, just get one anyway. Yeah. Do it. Rep your HDM love with our cool new T-shirts. Oh my God, we did it. We did it. We did it. Yeah. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Her Dark Materials. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at HDMPod. And you can email us at herdarkmaterialspod at gmail.com. You can also visit our website at hdmpod.co.uk. If you want to support us, you can become a patron at patreon.com forward slash hdmpod. We also have a shop where you can buy merch, including t-shirts, featuring all original artwork from Rich. You can find it at hdmpod.co.uk forward slash shop. I'm Faye, and when I'm not talking about my disdain for old white men, you can find me talking about Paramore on my other podcast, Still Into You. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts, and find us on Twitter and Instagram at Still Into You Pod. I'm Rachel, and when I'm not here chatting to you lovely folks about dust with a capital D and dust with a lowercase d, I'm making cute and magical arty things. You can find me over on Instagram at RachMakes, on Twitter and TikTok at Rach underscore makes, and over in my online shop, RachMakes.co.uk. Huge thanks as always to Johnny Knott for his musical stylings. And we'll see you in two weeks' time. And don't forget, keep telling stories and all will be well.
happy birthday to you. <laughs> Yay, thank you. <laughs> Bye, Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. <laughs>